This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Verse 18. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the head of the church, and you speak to the church today. And we want to listen to you. We want to obey you. We want to correct the things that are out of order, and we want to be a pure and holy church as you desire. We confess and repent of those things that are displeasing to you, and pray that we may hold fast to that which is true and right and good, and honoring to your name. Thank you for your word speaking to us today. Help us to hear what your spirit is saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear Church is our series because it's a series of letters, seven letters written to seven cities in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And the letter that we have today was written to a place called Thyatira, which is the Turkish city of Akhisar today. 
It's 40 miles southeast of Pergamum, the church we looked at last week. And today's message is entitled, Jesus Exhorts the Faithful and the Misled. In all churches, you have those who are true believers, who are genuine in their faith, and you have people who think they're Christians, and they're going through the religious motions, but they have never been born again. They're spiritually dead. Jesus is addressing such a church. This church in the city of Thyatira is the only church in town. It's a small town. This is the smallest of the towns that Jesus is talking to. And it had a lot of blue-collar workers, if you will. A lot of guys who were involved in the trades. They were good and honest carpenters and plumbers and the like. And the specialization there at Thyatira was purple fabric. Purple was a rare color, but by using certain ingredients, they were able to make this purple dye. And you may remember in Acts 16, 14, that there was a woman named Lydia, and she was from Thyatira. And she happened to be in Philippi at the time that she met Paul by the river, and Paul led her to the Lord. It may be that she went back to Thyatira or some of, told some of her relatives, and that's how this church might have been founded. An interesting theory. The point here is that Jesus exhorts. The word exhort means to both uh, speak a word that's corrective, but it's also to speak a word that is comforting. So my job as a preacher is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's going to comfort the afflicted and he's going to afflict the comfortable. How does he do that? Jesus exhorts the faithful and the misled by talking about faithfulness. He says faithfulness is having a loving faith and, an, and ongoing deeds. But to be misled is to be a person who tolerates falsehood and who is unrepentant. Faithfulness is holding on to what you have. And if you are faithful, you will receive a reward. And that reward will be increased spiritual authority. That's something the Lord wants to give to you. Let's look at how this is unfolded in the book of Revelation, uh, Revelation 2.18. Faithfulness is loving faith and ongoing deeds. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. You see, Jesus is referring to himself, and the description of Jesus was given by John in Revelation chapter 1. That's why this is called the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he's picking out the aspects of who he is that relate the most to the church he's addressing. And because he is going to 
pinpoint their problem, he is talking about himself as having eyes that are like blazing fire. That means that his eyes can see through the shenanigans and the veneer of godliness that people have pretending to be religious when they are a sham, when they are fake, when they are spiritually dead. Jesus has x-ray eyes, and he can see what really is going on. Secondly, his feet are like burnished bronze. And this speaks of his authority and judgment over the church. You know, when we think about Jesus, we think of him as being meek and mild and always loving and encouraging. But if you listen to the tone of this letter, he's rather firm. He's rather strong in saying, I yearn for my church to be pure, my church to be holy, and I won't put up with compromise, and I certainly won't put up with pretending you're spiritually alive when you're spiritually dead. I cannot tolerate that, and I can't tolerate you tolerating that. And so the Lord's about to come to them and bring it. And in so doing, he acknowledges the faithful. And I want to stop and acknowledge you for your faithfulness. Thank you, faithful saints, for your love for Jesus, your service for Jesus, your giving unto the Lord, your witness for Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness. I am thankful this Thanksgiving for you. And when Jesus sees this small church with honest, hard-working tradespeople, he says, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are doing more than you did at first. This is a wonderful affirmation of our Lord. Sometimes you get tired and weary and well-doing. Don't quit. The Lord sees what you're doing. He knows your heart. He knows your desire to live for him and to love him and to serve him and to be a witness for him. And he says, attaboy, way to go. I see it. It counts. It matters. Thank you for caring about your faith. Thank you for loving me and obeying me. The Lord sees your faithfulness. Be encouraged. Now, to be misled is to tolerate falsehood and to be unrepentant. He says, nevertheless, so there's going to be three groups in this uh, church. The first group are those who are faithful. The second group are those who are faithful, but yet putting up with and complying with falsehood. And the third group is going to be those who stay completely unsoiled by all the above. So this group is faithful, but they are enabling evil. It says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality 
and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. This is important. That in the Old Testament, there was an evil woman named Jezebel. You don't see moms naming their girls Jezebel these days. And you know why? Because it's a negative name. Jezebel uh, was a wife to Ahab, one of the most evil kings in Israel's history that taught Israel to worship false gods. And Jezebel's family worshipped the, ba- uh, the false god Baal. And when Ahab married Jezebel, she said, Hey, honey, let's have a worship center for my god Baal here in Samaria, the capital of Israel. And Ahab said, Sure, honey, whatever you say. And led the whole nation in the worship of idols. Jezebel was a conniving, evil woman who killed many prophets, people who loved the Lord and were serving him. Now, that Old Testament character then becomes a symbol, the symbol of any person who is misleading the people of God into false worship, false religion. That is a Jezebel. A Jezebel is also one who usurps authority. Someone's in charge and they say, not for long, I'm going to take over, I'm going to dominate, and um, I'm going to be in charge. That's a Jezebel. So this Jezebel wormed her way into the church, worked her way into an influential position, and started teaching her false stuff and was misleading people. Now you need to know, in the early church, there were two heresies that were especially damning. One of them was antinomianism. Antinomianism is, means against the law, no law. And the teaching is, since you're a Christian, you can do whatever you want because you're already forgiven. And since you're forgiven, go ahead and live it up because your soul's already saved. That is a damning heresy because it presumes upon the grace of God. Yes, you've been saved by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. But because you've been saved, it doesn't mean you could live like the devil. It means that you're supposed to live like Christ and grow in Christ-likeness and in holiness. And don't say, well, I can sin because I've been forgiven. Don't think you have a license to sin and to be living in license. The other heresy is Gnosticism. Gnosticism means to know. And the secret knowledge is that the body is evil and the spirit is good. Therefore, your spirit is saved and it's good, but your body is evil, so it doesn't matter what you do with your body. Uh, Platonism is a form of Gnosticism. The whole idea is you're setting your spirit free, but the body uh, is going to be bad no matter what. And there's no way to improve it. Well, you can imagine if Jezebel was teaching either one or both of these heresies, What she was saying to Christians was, live it up, 
worship these idols where they have orgies and where they get themselves stone drunk and you're still a Christian. The sad part of it is some Christians were falling for those lies. And if they weren't falling for those lies, they were looking the other way and tolerating those lies. They were sweeping it under the rug and not talking about it. It'd be like you being in a beautiful church with a gorgeous spire and wonderful pipe organ, and you know that the leaders are having affairs and they're getting drunk at their wine parties. That does not mix. So Jesus is calling them on the carpet. And he says, don't be about that. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she's unwilling. So to be misled is not only to tolerate falsehood, it's to be unrepentant. And isn't God merciful? He gives us time to repent. And his kindness leads us to repentance. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. So God is merciful. He wants us to turn from our sin and turn to him. He wants us to do an about-face, a 180-degree turn, He wants us to change our mind and call sin, sin, and holiness, holiness. And when we do that, he has mercy upon us and forgives us. But when we refuse to repent, when we get hard-hearted and stiff-necked, and we raise our fist to God and say, I'm going to defiantly sin against you and continue in this way, there's going to be consequences. And the consequences are suffering. How many people are suffering unnecessarily because they keep on being stubborn in their sin? You know, a person was asked, uh, hey, now that you've stopped banging your head against the wall, does it feel better? But some people keep banging their head on the wall, and Dr. Phil would say, is that working for you? Why do people keep on doing self-destructive behaviors of sinning when they could repent and experience abundant life and blessing in Christ. Well, we all want to be in charge of our own destiny. We want to be the captain of our fate and the master of our destiny. We want to be the Lord of the ring, and the ring is our life. But there's only one Lord, and his name is Jesus. And when you yield your life to the Lord, then things come together. Then you're blessed. But as long as you want to be Lord, as long as you want to be at the driver's seat and holding the steering wheel, you're going to steer in the wrong direction and you're going to make a mess of things. But when you turn your life over to the Lord, when you repent, that's when you experience what God has been wanting to give you and and to provide for you all these years, the very things you've been searching for. Now in verse 23a, I will strike her children dead. Jezebel does not have 
physical children. She has spiritual children. In other words, disciples. So the disciples of Jezebel, who continued to teach and proliferate these false doctrines, will be dealt with by God. He will judge them and put an end to them. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. So in Galatians 6, it says, do not be mocked. Uh, God knows where you're at. He knows that you've been sowing and you're going to reap. And if you've been sowing badly, you're going to reap badly. If you've been sowing good, you'll be reaping good. So God searches our hearts and minds. He knows what's what our motives are. He knows what our um, attitude towards him is. And he will repay those who consistently are defiant of him, blatantly disobeying him. He will deal with that. And let me stop here and say this. As I get older as a Christian, I realize all the more the grace of God, that I've been saved by grace, and he's forgiven me even though I don't deserve it. But I also realize the holiness of God, that God wants better for me, that God wants me to grow in his Christlikeness and holiness. Very powerful. So then finally, faithfulness is holding on to what you have. Revelation 2, 24 and 25, Jesus says to the faithful, and I say this to you, faithful ones. Now to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. So yes, it vexes your righteous soul to know that there are people in your church who are living like the devil, even though they claim to be Christians. But as for you, I know you haven't compromised. I know you don't tolerate this garbage. And I say to you, hang on. Hold on. Hold fast to the truth of God's word until I come. Stay faithful. That's the word of Jesus of encouragement to you faithful ones. So if you remain faithful, God has a gift for you, a reward. And that reward is he's going to give you greater spiritual authority. Revelation 2, 26 to 29. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. That's a quote from Psalm 2, 9 just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one the morning star. Think about it. When Jesus comes down from heaven to rule on earth during the millennial kingdom, he's going to give you, because of your faithfulness unto him, responsibility and oversight to rule over different nations, to rule over different groups. And you will have authority, his authority, to do that. So to whom much is given, much is required, but who is faithful in little, 
much more will be given. God's going to reward you. You've been faithful a little. Enter the joy of, my master, of your master. Here's a lot more. And he's going to give you the morning star. Who's the morning star? The morning star is Jesus himself. He's the bright and morning star. So you're going to inherit a kingdom and the king. Right now we see dimly as if uh, through a, a glass darkly. But when we see him, we shall see him full, face to face fully and we shall be like him. So praise God. Stay faithful because the best is yet to come. The Lord's going to reward you with greater authority, spiritual authority and with a full revelation of himself. There's no greater reward than to be with Jesus and to see him in all of his glory, the Lord you have loved and served all your life. John writes uh, what Jesus tells him to write, and Jesus says, whoever has ears... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Can I ask you a question this morning? That question being, did you hear what the Lord said? He said, first of all, you ain't fooling nobody. Just to put it in the common vernacular, he says, I see with my fiery eyes exactly where you are spiritually. And he says, to you who are faithful, I commend you, I bless you, I see all that you're doing. But for those of you who are tolerating evil or even participating in evil, turn or burn. Turn or burn. And for those of you who stay faithful to me, I have so many great rewards for you for all of eternity. I can't wait to bless you and give you all of these riches because you have remained faithful to me. That's what the Lord's saying. Now, do we have ears to hear? Are we going to make a difference, a change in our heart? If you haven't been faithful, are you going to repent of your faithfulness and turn to the Lord? If you have been faithful, are you going to say, thank you, Jesus, for seeing my faithfulness and that you're going to reward my faithfulness to you be the glory I continually surrender to you and live for you. I love you, Lord, more and more. What's your response this morning? Let's bow in prayer and talk to the Lord about what's going on. Remember, he knows your heart. First of all, have you received Jesus Christ? That's the most important thing. To say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sin by your shed blood. And Jesus, right now, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to come into my life by your Spirit because I want to be saved. Will you pray that? Would you say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins by your shed blood. Lord, come into my life by your Spirit. Save me. Would you pray that? Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've been a faithful one, would you just say, thank you, Lord, for noticing me? 
Thank you, Lord, for knowing my heart and knowing what's going on in my life and that I love you and, and that you accept me and I belong to you and I cherish you and I keep wanting to grow with you, growing in, in you and I know I fail and you keep forgiving me and I keep heading towards you. Thank you, Lord, for your encouragement today. That's what I needed. Let us pray. Father, I pray with everybody here that those who have trusted in Christ may see and experience your love and peace and joy like they've never known before. And I pray for those who are faithful, that they will sense your pleasure and your delight in them. And I pray for those who are following the way of Jezebel, who are trafficking in evil things, that you would convict them of their stubborn hearts, of their unrepentant minds, that they would realize they're going the wrong way and may still repent before it's too late. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building